This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. If you would please turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9. Somebody remind me that my bottle of water is open if I go to do something crazy in a few minutes, okay? My iPad's on the table today. That wouldn't be good. I'm stepping out of this path that I've been on for the last weeks in the Gospel of John, and I want to step to Matthew for just a, a few moments today. I want to walk you through this journey, and I'm going to read this passage of Scripture to you. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, Matthew chapter 9, beginning verse 18. It says, While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples, and behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years, came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I'll be made well. Do you realize the faith that that woman had? It's the whole thought process for me today is faith. But I just want to pause as I read this, preparing again this morning, as I read through this, that woman said, if I, if I only touch his garment, we don't have to chase him down and tackle him. If we just touch the garment and we can go into this long conversation about a garment of praise and I believe that he was surrounded with this garment of glory and the way that we get there is through our worship and through our praise, which is why we were so adamant to push and praise and worship a few moments ago, but that has nothing to do with our conversation today. Verse 22 says, Jesus turned seeing her said, take heart daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. When Jesus came to the ruler's house, he saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion. He said, go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. I want to talk to you for just a few moments today on the idea that dead things live. Dead things live. The story is interesting to me because Matthew and Mark... And Luke all recorded a little differently. I love the way Matthew records this, and you can read it, and you can uh, kind of explore for yourself some of the differences. Matthew is telling this story, and it's following his own actual personal story of when he was called himself. If you look up in the page of your Bible just a little bit, you see Matthew himself called. Just before that, or, uh, we were seeing Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount. He's teaching the Beatitudes. And this story takes place, this conversation, what we're seeing take place is immediately following Jesus talking about fasting. He's talking and he's giving this whole thought process of fasting. And, and as he's finishing up this conversation, a man shows up. Now, the other gospels tell us that this man was a synagogue ruler. He was a, rel a religious leader. I want us just to maintain with Matthew, if we can, for a few moments. We know a ruler came up, a man come up and he said, Jesus, my daughter has died. Now, this is a difference between 
Mark and Luke and Matthew is the man is straight up saying she's gone. She's dead. But if you would lay your hand on her, she would rise and live. The man is full of mind-blowing faith. It blows my mind that this guy's got this thought process. Uh, the, the other gospels say that she's at the point of death, which the point of death would be what? Death, right? It would still be dead. There's no way around it. This man has realized that while they're gathering for the funeral at his house, everybody else around, how do I know that? We got there in, in a moment ago. Everybody else is preparing for the funeral. They're preparing to put her in the ground. They put the nails in the coffin, if you will. They're there playing the pretty flute music. They're causing a commotion. But yet this man, this daddy, has this mind-blowing, full of faith to say, Jesus, if you would come and just lay your hand on her, she'd get up and she'd live. What's so cool is, to me, Jesus, full of the same mind-blowing compassion, is moved to actually go and follow the man. Mind-blowing, this, this, this man full of mind-blowing faith that interrupts and stops and makes a difference so that Jesus, full of compassion, moves. You with me? Jesus follows him with his disciples. I wonder, first of all, and I'll be honest, I've been convicted to know that this dad had the kind of faith that his daughter is straight up dead, not spiritually dead, not emotionally dead. His daughter is laying there without a heartbeat. And rather than wailing, rather than mourning, right, the first thought that comes in his mind is if I can just make it to Jesus. And if Jesus could lay his hand on her, she's going to live. And I wonder, I, I thought about me, and I'm just going to be honest, I thought about my personal self and my babies, my kids, and I thought, you know, Lord, what kind of faith do I have? I, I want to get caught up in the moment. I want to get caught up in the circumstance, the situation. If something goes wrong, if something happens, I would rather sit and, and kind of waller about it and think, what am I going to do? How am I going to make it through this situation? And, and, and the Lord really checked me because this man, full of mind-blowing faith, went to Jesus when everybody else had sealed the deal on her life. He goes to Jesus and said, I know that if you can just lay your hand on her, she'll live. And I thought about me and how much time have I wasted doing everything else rather than going finding Jesus and saying, if you'll lay your hand on my babies, if you'll lay your hand on this situation, it'll live. It can come back to life. I don't even have to deal with the funeral and the expenses and the ramifications of death. I don't have to deal with that in this moment. Rather, if I was full of faith, I could go to Jesus and say, lay your hand on it, Lord, and she'll live. But it was by his faith that she lived. So on this journey, they're walking through, and I've preached this so many times, so many different ways, but you probably know the story. Maybe you don't, but she, they're, they're walking through, and somebody touches Jesus. And we really don't have the fact that in the other Gospels, Jesus stops in his tracks he says, something just happened. I just felt healing power. I felt divine power. I felt authority go out of me. Something took place. And he turned and he looks and there's this lady who has faith enough to say, if I only touch the fringe of his garment, I'll be healed. If I can only get to him, I don't even have, he don't even have to see me. I don't even have to, to, to cause this big commotion. If I could just go and, and brush up against him a little bit, if I can just somehow reach down and, and crawl my way to and touch him, I can be healed. 
And instantly, that was the fastest adoption process ever. You've heard me say, when he turns around to her and he says, daughter, that's the first person and really one of the only very few, if not the only person that he ever calls daughter. Daughter, your faith has made you well. And he makes it to the house and he shows up and all the commotions taking place. I don't like chaos. Y'all figured out I don't like chaos. There's a great ice cream place in Anger. I'm not going to call the name of it. But you can eat there when the sky is sunny. I struggle with this place. I've absolutely loved it during the shutdown because it was a drive through You could pull up and you might wait 45 minutes. That was fantastic because I was sitting right there in the comfort of my car with the heated seat or the air conditioner blowing. It didn't matter. It was fantastic. I loved it. They come to the car. They take your order. They take your money. They come back to bring your ice cream. You find somewhere you park and use your ice cream. You have not come in contact with one single person. There's been no chaos. There's been nothing. You just got to have a little bit of patience. So we take off the other night and I was so excited. I wanted some brownie batter ice cream really bad. And we roll up in there, and there is no line for a drive-thru. I said, Micah, I'm really tempted to turn around and go back home. Because that means i got to go inside. That was really not that bad. There's just no line. No person in charge. You walk up, and there's these little bitty space. You talk about social distancing. What brought this to my mind was I rubbed shoulders with a guy, and I touched the fringe of his garment. I didn't get healed, but I touched him. There's a little bitty space, and there's all these people that are wanting to pile in there to get their ice cream. And you stand there, and I really used to get aggravated because I wasn't the humble, gracious soul that I am now. And somebody walked in behind me, and they got help first. And I was like, what the world? Like, really? But there's no order to this process. It's chaotic. I don't like it. The whole moral of that story is I don't think Jesus liked chaos either. Because he rolls up to the funeral, he rolls up to the house, and the flute players are playing, and the crowds are making a commotion. Can you picture this? Funeral music's already started playing. That the girl, they, they're dressed in their mourning, they've even hired out, they've spent the resources because it was tradition in the day for them to hire people to come in professionally to mourn, as if we can't mourn enough our own. We're going to hire somebody to come in and throw the pity party. Commotion's taking place. And Jesus says, get out. She's just asleep. And what do they do? They laugh. They laugh. You know the story. Jesus goes in. He takes her by the hand. I just read it to you. She arose and she lived. I really like the the writer's version that says, he said, get her something to eat. She's hungry. She's been taking a long nap. So we leave that situation. And Jesus goes out. And there's two blind men following him. And they're crying out. Lord, watch that bottle of water. (laughs) 
Have mercy on us, son of David. Verse 27. He passes from there, and two blind men are following him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. Have mercy on us, son of David. And he keeps walking. That was interesting to me. He kept walking. He entered the house. He didn't stop. Their cries did not stop him. He entered the house, and when they got there, they came in, and Jesus said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And he said, yes, Lord. And the word says, according to your faith, be it done to you. Their cries did not stop Jesus. For those men to receive their healing, we've got three different situations taking place. The faithful daddy goes to Jesus and says, I need you to come to my house. He went to Jesus. He, ch he chased Jesus down. I need you to come. My daughter has died, but if you come and lay your hand on her, she'll live. You got this other woman that in happen chance, she crawled her way through the crowd, but she happened. I, I believe it was similar to my rubbing up against that dude in sunny skies when I was tired of the chaos, trying just to get out of there with my arm full of ice cream. I believe somehow she rubbed up against him, and maybe she touched him in some way, and yet because of her faith, she received her healing. But now here we've got some guys. Jesus was full of compassion for the man, remember? But now they're crying out, hey, son of David, stop, we need you to heal us, we can't see. How did they even follow Jesus and keep up with him? Well, it takes me back to the thought they were walking by faith, not by sight. <laughs> they couldn't even see him to follow him. I don't know, maybe they had some buddies. Maybe they had a buddy named Faith, and they walked by faith, not by their own sight. I don't know. They couldn't see, though, and their cries, it didn't matter how hard they cried, he didn't stop. But yet we've got a man who's come to Jesus, and Jesus completely changes his travel plans to detour and follow him to go raise a dead girl. We've got a lady that stops Jesus in his tracks to turn around and adopt her into the family of God, and now we've got guys that are chasing. They can't even see. How fair is that? Chasing him down, crying out, and he's not stopping. And they go in the house. And the Lord really pushed me on this. So often we cry and cry and cry and maybe not physically cry, but we're crying out. And we pray and we pray and we pray about a situation, but we never actually get into the presence of God. It wasn't until they entered into the house now, I'm not so naive to tell you that you have to come into this house to be in the presence of God. That's ridiculous. The Lord's everywhere. The question is, do you tap into that presence anywhere outside of these four walls? Because, I mean, we'll just be honest. There's people that show up to churches every single week that are not impacting and they're not pouring into the, the purpose or the challenge whatsoever to bring the presence of God and a move of God into the house, yet they sit back and consume from it. That's harsh. When God starts moving like he did earlier, it's because there's some folks that are pursuing hard after the presence of God.
I don't need anything. It's not about what I can get. It has nothing to do with what I can get. And unfortunately, there's people that show up into churches, maybe not this one, maybe this one. You decide. That they desire to be in that place where the room's consumed with the presence of God and moving, you can feel the power, but yet they don't do anything whatsoever to contribute to bringing the presence. Now, we can't expect somebody that's living a life of sin. We can't expect somebody that's hurting, that's broken, to come in like that. So what, what's the purpose of the church? So that we, as, as believers, can come together and the ones that are stronger in the season can lift up our voices and we can praise the name of the Lord so that the atmosphere would begin to shift, it would begin to change. See, when they walked into that house, they walked into a place where the atmosphere had already moved. Jesus had walked into the house. And when Jesus walked in that house, things had, had changed. They had turned around, and, and he didn't have to stop them. On, they, didn't, they couldn't get him to stop on the street. Our cries don't always get him to stop on the street. The cries were useless until they got into his presence. And they were healed. Dead things live. Would you look at somebody beside you and say, dead things live? We've got to be careful because we know God's everywhere, right? When you walk out these doors and you wake up tomorrow morning, your breath stinks and your hair is all out of whack. The presence of the Lord's there. But it's my responsibility to tap into that. You with me? I can be in the house of the Almighty God Creator 24-7, but it's my responsibility to tap into that. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. He's gone nowhere. We might cry that. We might feel that. But I wonder if we would challenge ourselves to turn that inward. And what am I doing to pursue that presence? I think I just skipped all of these notes and I don't know what's in them. I did write them. Pretty sure I just preached them. Here's what the Lord's resounding in my heart. Mr. Tommy, I'm done. You can play me some soft music. I decided today I was going to be quicker. Stick to the point. Three thoughts. If you're taking notes, first of all, Jesus is moved by faith. We saw that it's in the first scenario. Dad shows up. Jesus, my daughter is dead. Not that she's at the point. Of, I love the way Matthew, that's why I switched gears this morning. I love the way Matthew writes this. My daughter is dead, but you can make her live. He's moved by that faith. I don't have a clue where Jesus was headed. I don't have a clue what his journey looked like. I don't know what the plan was, but I believe he said, guys, we got to change our direction and we're about to postpone that trip for just a moment because I got somewhere else I've got to go. And your word says that whenever he came to Jesus, Jesus followed him, so did his disciples. He was moved by faith. 
This man showed up with enough faith to say, my daughter is dead. Everybody's celebrating her life that's now gone. But I stand here full of faith, Jesus, that you can touch her and you can heal her. He's moved by faith. Not only is he moved by faith, but he sees our faith. You look at verse 22, chapter 9, verse 22. When the lady touched him, Jesus turned and seeing her. You say, well, he felt it. Well, yes, he did. One writer says that Peter's like, duh, Jesus, somebody touched you, of course, we're in this crowd. He said, no, I felt something. Something happened. But in that moment, nowhere do I see that he knew that this little lady with 12 years of a blood problem had touched him. He don't, until he turns to her and sees her faith. You with me? He says, take courage, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Jesus sees our faith. Not only is Jesus moved by our faith, not only does he see our faith, but it's through our faith that dead things live. I love worship. And I'll be honest, as a worship leader in the past, it aggravates, and I know what frustration those people have gone through that I'm not going to look at you. They stand on the stage, and they're trying their hardest to lead worship and lead you in worship, and people, not you. For whatever reason, won't open your mouth. <laughs> Here's what the Lord revealed to me through this message. The three points don't mean anything. If you don't remember them, don't remember them. But Jesus looked at the crowd in the middle of the commotion. I have never seen, I don't know, I'm, I'm just a young guy. But unless you live through the Great Depression or World War II, I don't know that you've ever seen commotion quite like we're seeing commotion. You agree? Businesses being told to board up, uh, heightened security across our nation because of just this uncertainty. We don't even know what's going to take place. Jesus said, He said, Get out. Because she's not dead, she's just asleep. Here's what the Lord. That's what the Lord showed me. There's enough evidence. And Jesus has got a track record. Because do you remember in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and all things were created by the Word through Him? Well, if you go back to Genesis 1, you see that God spoke everything into existence. You with me? I believe the, the little girl was already alive when Jesus walked in and he just had to go and, and just take her by the hand and he just had to get up. Come on, come on. Come walk with me. Yeah. Because there's enough power in the words of Jesus that when he said, get out, she ain't dead. She's just asleep. The little girl was already alive. All he had to do was go in and take her hand and say, get up, darling. Let's take a little walk and go show all these people that you're, you're not dead, that they can go home somewhere. So why do we stand on the stage? Why do I stand there and look like a crazy person to some of you trying my best to get you to sing? Because I understand if there's victory inside of you, it comes through your mouth. 
Dead things live by the power of your words. Jesus spoke. Sure. He was moved by faith. He saw the faith. This is a journey. I don't know how far it was for Jesus' walk from where he started to get to that house where that little girl was dead. But he was moved by faith to get there. In the process, he saw the faith of a lady. He saw the faith of a daddy. And then by faith, by the faith of the Father, he walked in and dead things were raised to life. I have no theology to back that up, but I believe just as clear as I'm sitting on the edge of this altar, the Holy Spirit dropped into my spirit. The girl was alive before he ever walked into the room. Walking in and taking her hand was the easy part because by the power of his words, he had already spoke life into her. What's so cool about it is our faith that raises dead things plays out in a testimony. John chapter 11, Jesus shows up on the scene where Lazarus has been buried and for four days he stinks. I asked a question this week to this really sophisticated, awesome theologian scholar. He didn't have an answer. I love the man dearly. I said, I've always wondered, did, did Lazarus stink? When they unwrapped him, did the dead flesh come away with the wrapping? I don't know, but I believe it did. I believe that Jesus had already spoken and said, Lazarus, come out. And when he spoke, I believe Lazarus was made whole. He was healed. There was new flesh inside. The old flesh had to come off. Mary said, he stinks, Jesus. He said, I don't give a rip that he stinks. The situation might be terrible. It might be dark and it might stink. But Lazarus, you need to come out, son. He said, now unbound him and let him go. Those people had to deal with that nasty, rotten flesh as they unbound him. But I believe as they unwrapped him, I believe there was new flesh already there. And your Bible says that that day many people believed. Because when dead things live, people believe. There's some dead things in your life. There's some things that seem to be hopeless. There's some things that seem to, to or even really trying to preach on Lazarus, but there's some things that stink, right? What's the difference between the daddy and I guess the mama of that little girl, everybody else? Nobody else saw the potential of life. You realize that? Nobody else saw that this little girl even had the opportunity that it's possible that she could live. She's dead. But Jesus is moved by her faith. He's moved by your faith. Jesus sees your faith. And I believe that by your faith, the dead things can live. 
And what's so beautiful about it is it has nothing to do with you whatsoever. It's so that people can believe as you open your mouth and spread the testimony. Father, in the name of Jesus, come on, make you lift up your voices. Thank him for his goodness. Thank him for his mercy. Hallelujah, God, you're worthy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God, that you're moved by my faith, that I can have mind-blowing faith, Lord, and you can have mind-blowing compassion. You're moved by faith. God, not only are you moved by faith, but I thank you, Lord, that you see my faith. Come on, talk to him. Let your words be heard from heaven this morning. Father, I thank you. Not only are you moved by my faith, and not only do you see my faith, God, but by the power in Jesus' name, Lord, dead things live because of my faith. We worship you, Lord. We praise your name, God. We thank you, Lord. Now, by the example of Jesus, whatever that dead thing is, whatever that situation is that seems hopeless, whatever the thing is that's driving you crazy, that's keeping you up at night, speak to every thought of fear, every thought of doubt, every thought of, of commotion. Think of all of that, and you speak to it just as Jesus did, and you say, get out. Get out of my head, devil. You have no place. Get your hands off my kids. Get out insecurities get out feeling of inadequacy not being good enough get out you have no place and then I need you to boldly and confidently speak over that situation and say it's not dead it's just asleep come on tell him it's not dead it's just asleep they're not dead Lord that the situation's not over. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Dead things are going to live today in the name of Jesus. We worship you, God. Come on, pursue his presence for just a moment. He's here. He's everywhere around us. Contribute to that for a moment and pursue that. I pray that you would feel the power of the Holy Spirit moving over you. Lord, move on your people today. Holy Spirit, have your way with us today. Coming in and change these situations. See our faith. Be moved by our faith. Let our faith raise dead things. We worship you, Lord. We praise your holy name. Yes, God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, today we speak to dead things. Lord, we've got to be honest with ourselves because just like those men crying out, Son of David, have mercy on us. Lord, if we're crying out, but not in your presence, we've got to go deeper. 
We've got to go further. If it's not that we can be made well by our faith, Lord, you told your disciples that the faith of a mustard seed can move a mountain. You could say mountain move and jump into that sea and that mountain would have to move. Father, we just need a little faith. God, and we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God, we stand on the promises that your writer tells us in Hebrews that faith is the evidence of things that are, are unseen, the substance of things to come. Father, I pray. God, we stand on the things that we can't see, the things that appear to be dead, useless, hopeless, gone, Father. We believe they're alive today. Father, I pray that dead things would live in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we're made victorious by you. Thank you, Lord. Father, we pray a, a final prayer of blessing over our nation. God, unified, bound together in this, this moment. Father, most of all, more than anything else, God, I pray that you would receive glory through this season. God, through my life, I can't control anybody else. I can't control who leads this country. I can't control what takes place on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday of this year or 10 years to come. I can't control that. God, but let my life be a light that shines your glory. God, let you receive the glory of everything that's said and done by my life. In the name of Jesus, we worship you, Lord. Father, I pray that you would bless your people today. Pour out your blessings on them. God, let your face shine on us. Give us grace and peace and protect us. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen.